When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Climate Change podcast with Nori. I'm Ross Kenyon. I'm one of the co-founders of Nori, which is a carbon removal marketplace based in Seattle, Washington. Today I have with me Tito Jankowski, a veteran of the show many, many times, I think third or fourth time at this point, maybe even more. Um, coming live from from COP in Dubai. He's the CEO of Air Miners. Um, hi, Tito. Hey, Ross. Hey, everybody. You didn't expect that intro to end so rapidly, and yet it descended upon us rapidly. Here we are. I'm in Dubai, Ross. I've never been. What, what's it like over there? It's cool. It's um, my first time, too. First time to the, to the uh, Middle East, and it's definitely... Um, it's culturally very different from the west coast of california um it's got um i mean the people are are super welcoming it's a very like tourist friendly town uh definitely some like i've been reading articles about like how to think about dubai and it's like um it's really this like convergence of the place that um many different cultures come together um i heard that the population is something like 60 percent indian um, so I had some excellent like sambar in Italy for breakfast. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what it's like. It's a uh, kind of a convergent touristy Las vegas kind of place. 60%. I didn't realize it was that high. I knew, I knew there were many Indians there, but I didn't realize it was that high. I'm always really interested in micro states and I always love visiting the, uh, Luxembourg's and Liechtenstein's of the world. It's just like, how did this not get? subsumed into some bigger political organization at some point same thing with uh qatar and uae and it's like I, sh- I need to look into that i've always meant to i imagine it's some some royal family somehow was friends with the british or something and then they like the as what happened in jordan and, and saudi arabia do you have any idea blank stare no idea i've got um I, i'm remembering that you are like a historian type person <laughs> so the story that I got, so I went to two, um, uh, like cultural exhibits on Dubai and the history of, um, the UAE, um, uh, and my understanding coming away from those, that limited exposure, admittedly is, um, it was basically, there were, there were a bunch of different states called the Emirates. Um, at a certain point, they all, they all joined together and became the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, but I think Amir just means prince in Arabic, right? So it's the same thing as being a principality like Monaco or Liechtenstein or these other weird little... So anyways, this is this is not about COP. This is me indulging in my own weird world historical obsessions. So why don't we talk about climate change? As is our mandate, Tito. Uh, can you explain what COP is? I I often find myself mentally blocked whenever there's big convergences of uh, international things, especially if there's a UN tinge to it. 
I find I, I just do not process the information successfully. What even is COP? What does it stand for? How many have there been? Why does it exist? Help us. Yeah, I, I definitely admit a bit of a feeling of there's that uh, that Andy Dwyer meme that's like, I'm, you know, I don't know X. And at this point, I'm too embarrassed to ask. Um, so I get that vibe with 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 COP. I'm here. It's COP 28. So it's the 28th COP. Um, it is the COP is the Conference of Parties. Uh, and it's a it's a global climate convening of uh, state level, government level negotiators uh, who are getting things together on the on the climate side. Uh, and, and at this COP, they're discussing the uh, phase out or phase down of, uh, of fossil fuels as one of the topics that's on the, that's on the table and apparently still under negotiation and being talked about um, potentially even at this moment. It sounds like the negotiators uh, doing this, this work, uh, uh, they work off the record, Chatham House rules, and uh, they, they are working to make it happen. I think one of the reasons why I find it to be a bit confusing is I also am seeing lots and lots of friends, acquaintances, uh, contacts, just people I see on LinkedIn. They're in various, I'm in the Canada room. I'm in the Ecuador room. I'm like, what relation does that have to the real people doing real things? And how much of this is everyone just shows up with their own dog and pony show? trying to say we're actually important to is that is that what you're doing there is it you're you also bringing your carbon removal dog and pony show the good news is i'm not in any of the any of the rooms um, i'm not in the what's you're in the hall the where are you the, where the, are there's you there's the blue zone which is where my understanding is the negotiations happen um and you can get observer status on these negotiations um you can apply and get get accepted to that and that, that puts you in the rooms but the real, the people that are doing the work there are the, are the negotiators. Um, there's also presentations that happen in the blue zone. Um, I've been in the green zone, which is uh, the go online and uh, a week before COP and sign up for tickets. <laughs> so I've been, exp I have, I have uh, plumbed the depths of the green zone. So I can talk more about that. But the blue zone is kind of this um, much higher security uh, place where the negotiations around COP actually happen. Um, and then as you can imagine, when you, when you bring together the world's climate leaders, there's kind of this halo effect of like, well, a lot of other people, uh, myself included decide, Hey, that's, that's a place that we want to be for these two weeks as well. Um, so that's where, that's where blue zone comes in and green zone. And then there's all these other even conferences that happen in, uh, around cop, um, simply because you really have this, this, this hot core of, uh, climate action in the middle of it. So um, that's the blue zone, green zone, and kind of the satellite events. So is it safe to say that you're a camp follower? Is that a what camp you follow? That's it. That's it. I'm a groupie. You know, Climate groupie. Is, yeah. no, I don't know what a camp, I don't know what a camp follower is. It's like it's the service providers and prostitutes who would follow armies around just to be like in the mix and to to make money off of armies in the field. Um, there you go. That's. That's something in the green zone. The green. Okay. okay, sorry to do. Um, okay, so carbon removal, the UN, various bodies. There's been uh, discussions over what kind of carbon removal will be uh, acceptable by UN standard bodies. Um, that's a big deal. That could impact quite a lot. I'm not sure how much. So I'm, I'm not sure if um, the UN does something extremely affirmative for carbon removal, how powerful that would be if it does something that 
is not tech neutral, that favors some tech and disfavors others, how what the ripple effects might that be relative to something like the Brussels effect of what happens in the EU uh, with GDPR has a huge implication for everyone else, no matter where you are in the world and how you process data. Um, is, I never know how much of that to, to rate quite exactly, but carbon removal is being talked about in these very fancy, high rung, high status kind of places. Um, what's been the the vibe of the the carbon removal scene at COP, of which I'm seeing there's tons of, I'm surprised I'm not there because there's so many people I know that are there representing carbon removal. Yeah, so the vibe at, uh, of carbon removal at COP is uh, I set up a, a WhatsApp group for everybody that's working on carbon removal who is on the ground at COP. And we have 61 people in the group. Um, I've added as we've gone to parties, people are adding, you know, new uh, new people they meet who are working in carbon removal. So the group has has grown from one person, whatever it was, uh, Monday last week. Um, so that really represents like the 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 carbon rule community that's here. Um, in terms of kind of the official discussions, you mentioned the UN. Uh, people will probably remember signing or at least seeing the air miners letter to the UN that we put out over the summer. And that was after I visited the uh, UN negotiations going on in Bonn, uh, where they were talking about um, really getting getting into the details of, of how carbon gets removed. And, and we issued this letter that was, look, like we really, we really need to set goals around how much carbon gets removed, but like, please leave it as open as possible around like how the carbon gets removed, um, being, being agnostic to the, the method um, and my understanding is that um, part of the urgency around that UN meeting was because that was kind of queuing up the discussions. Um, some of the some of the decisions were made at the UN would then be carried over into this uh, into this COP conversation. Um, so all these uh, kind of policy level uh, discussions and negotiations are all they're all linked together. Um, and kind of step by step, they uh, they move things forward from from the discussion at the UN now coming into into COP. Um, that said, um, what I have seen at COP as the, uh, like latest draft of the, of the agreement, uh, seems to include carbon removal. It says something, something carbon removal, um, including carbon capture, which is like, oh wait, we're like, you know, it's kind of, kind of mixing together, um, decarbonization and carbon removal, um, as, as kind of the same thing. So that's. That's where it's at. Like the negotiations aren't finished. So, you know, a lot of that is still up in the air as to what actually kind of the, the, the end result is. Uh, but being on the ground here, there's a lot of people looking at carbon removal. Um, there's a lot of people interested in carbon removal and, and looking at it from a policy standpoint, from an investment standpoint, uh, from a startup standpoint. We have, uh, there's uh, four carbon removal companies that have been through the Airminers Launchpad program that I've seen here they're on the whatsapp group too um so okay. it's uh yeah it's been carbon rule has uh, a ton of events like you saw there was that uh uh the carbon removals.org website they were awesome um putting together everything carbon removal related at cop um so i use that all the time for checking out like which events were where and um and what was happening so there's a ton of carbon rule stuff happening kind of in and around cop although in like i said like that hot core of like actual negotiation i don't know how much carbon removal is actually 
getting discussed within that. But there's plenty of events in the blue zone. There's plenty of events in the green zone and, and satellite events about carbon removal and, and for carbon removal people. So um, it's certainly, um, it's certainly uh, a, a place to be this week. Um, and that's probably why I wanted to, wanted to speak with you today was to encourage people as, as they're thinking about COP next year, um, you know, if it's something that you've thought about doing, start setting your sights for it. It's, um, it's really a global convening of, of uh, climate leaders and encourage yeah, anybody listening to this, um, whether you're new to carbon rule or you're kind of on the periphery and you're curious and you want to contribute. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's open to anybody can, can come in and get tickets and plan ahead and, and you can be part of what's happening here. I like doing a show in media rust like this, though. And plenty of shows, I'm sure, are going to do the the post, you know, the post op here, post mortem, if you will. And I'm sure we'll probably end up doing something like that too, if Carbon Removal Newsroom doesn't. Um, but uh, it's nice to just get a sense of the boots on the ground, what happened at the grassroots level, rather than just what's going to come out of the the which blue zone is that the fancy pants blue zone blue zone that's blue it zone? that's it yeah the stuff that you hear on the radio is like. You know, that's all the official stuff. Um, I'm, and that's again, what I wanted to share from is like, I'm not the official stuff. I, I decided to come to cop last Monday. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like planning ahead and being in the blue zone. It was, Hey, this is, you know, this is the place to be for what's next for air miners, what's next for carbon removal. Um, and this has been, this has been my experience diving head first. Last time we spoke, we were in Detroit for Ted countdown and you can agree or disagree with this, but the attendees I thought overall were more mainstream environmental people that the kinds of conversations I ended up finding myself in were, should carbon removal exist? Is direct air capture a scam by oil and gas? Do we need to be doing this at all? Can't we just plant trees? And I was disappointed that the level of discourse was in some cases quite, quite low, at least for someone who is seasoned in carbon removal. Um, it was sort of surreal in that way to go, it felt like going backwards. Does carbon removal at Dubai, in Dubai with the COP, does it feel a bit more sophisticated or do you find yourself in rooms sometimes where it almost feels like the conversations around carbon removal a decade ago and we've never advanced? Let's see. Uh, so my, my experience at COP has mostly been one-on-one -on -one meetings. So I haven't been doing panels and speaking and, and hearing rooms full of people. So just in terms of that context, um, what I've found is if, if anything, Ross, after that experience at, at Ted and, and listening to Al Gore's speech, I really got into the weeds on my own understanding of kind of how to like, how to listen to other people and their understanding of carbon removal. Um, and I would say across the board, um, there is a general, uh, need or opportunity for alignment around that carbon removal is necessary. That is where, if I think back to those, those, those uh, Ted climate conversations I had, if I go back to uh, the, the, the speech from Al Gore, it's unclear to me, you know, in those conversations, are, are we aligned that carbon removal is needed in addition to decarbonization? Uh, so in, in a sense, what I'm, what I'm saying, is it feels like I've leveled up in my ability to, to talk to people. So they're like, yeah, look, if, if people aren't on board with carbon removal being necessary, we're not talking about how to do it then. We're not talking about, oh, do you like direct air capture or oceans or soils? We're talking about, do you think carbon removal is necessary? Um, and so I've certainly been able to uh, yeah, change how I engage in those, in those conversations. So for me, 
it's 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 very different from from the experience of um, of of Ted Klein, or it's kind of like kind of going into a conversation that yeah, it just wasn't at, at its core aligned around like, well, do do we actually need this? If we need it, then we can talk about how to do it and how much is needed. But if you think we don't need carbon removal, then all of this is silly. Like anything to do with taking carbon out of the air, if you don't. If you don't think carbon is needed, then all the stuff in the ocean is silly. All the stuff in rocks and back is all, you know, it's all a waste of time. Um, and so being able to really see that in conversations and say like, okay, it's so like, where, where are you at on, like, do we need carbon removal? Um, so that's a, um, a bit of a longer answer. And I'm getting plenty of conversations around, do we need carbon removal and why? Um, so I've had, had conversations with people uh, working in different areas of climate, um, whether it's uh, energy or decarbonization, uh, really being curious with people about like where are they at on on whether we need carbon removal uh, or not. I respect that, and we need it. I think there's a tendency for people who work inside of a field to drift towards inside baseball rather than outward evangelization, or that word's pejorative and kind of tainted, but or just trying to, to reach people who don't already know the good news. See, now I'm just going further and further into the evangelical territory and, and uh, framing here. I had a friend once upon a time, I haven't spoken to him in, in several years, but he was an actual Leninist, which is fairly rare to find in the wild. They're out there, but they're not super common. But our conversations were always so basic and you, you have such little practice with people who disagree that much. Where you'd be like, well, yeah, prices are important. If you don't have prices, you don't know where things should go. It's like, well, a computer could do that. And you're like, well, parliamentary democracy is clearly important because we have groups that see things differently. No, actually, that's not true. Like, what do you do when people uh, need to coexist together, but they don't actually share the same vision of the good life? Well, they're going to learn it or they're going to be reeducated. And you're like, so like, how do you exactly uh, communicate? I felt like those assumptions were so different. And then sometimes I, I have to refresh myself too. I feel out of practice even making the case for why carbon removal is necessary. So if you're out there and you're listening and you feel passionate about that, that is an area where once you've been in this long enough, you can lose practice unless you're out there engaging all the time. And I think you could probably add a huge amount of value by being good at that. Yep, absolutely. You can, you can add a value and you can grow your own understanding. I've, I've learned a ton by engaging with people around like, how do they think about decarbonization? How do they think about carbon removal um, and it's changed my own understanding of of what it is we're up to uh, as air miners and, and people removing carbon from the sky um so wherever people are at in that i mean a year ago i used to i used to describe that like my role in carbon removal was that that um like my doorway was just like packed full of people who were rabid about carbon removal and like i wanted to talk to them and work with them um and now today i'd say somewhat differently like i'm uh, I'm going out and talking to people about like, hey, you know, where are you at on carbon removal? What are your concerns about carbon removal? If you remember the the whole our discussion about the the kiloton fund and the, um, yeah. our our doing doing investing in carbon removal startups, and that that all came from talking to thirty investors in carbon removal. Instead of saying, you know, I'm evangelizing carbon removal, get on board. It was, hey, what what's your biggest concern about carbon removal? And it turned out they all had the same concern, which was, uh, I, like, I like, I get that it's going to be a big industry, but I don't know how to invest right now because I'm, it's unclear how real the market is. It's unclear how quickly it's going to grow and how profitable it is. 
right? So like by engaging in those conversations and like the reality of it, uh, you can really come across like opportunities, opportunities to, to, to actually make things that work. Um, and that's what, that's what we're here for. That's what Airmind is here for is, is a, a stable planet and thriving human civilizations, right? So under that umbrella, like if somebody's, uh, you know, got ideas about how to make things work, like I'm, you know, I'm in for, for that conversation. And, and even if it's, you know, if it's a concern about investing, it's like, cool, well then let's, let's figure out a solution to that. Um, and now we have coming out of that, that type of conversation is, uh, the Kilton fund, which is a solution to, uh, for investors that are concerned about, uh, the, the profitability or the, the growth and the, the profit margins or the dilution of early stage urban rural companies. I said profitability there twice, which is like, it's so important. Um, but yeah, like that's, again, by engaging these conversations, that's, that's how we build solutions. And like, we're, we're here for solutions, you know? Um, yeah, uh, enjoying conversations of all, all types like that. Sounds like you've leveled up in listening, which is because I think at least the way that I subconsciously presented at the beginning of this conversation was that um, there are people who disagree, they have wrong information, and if we go to them and present correct information, we will win. And it turns out, I don't think the human mind really does work like that at all. I think by being a better yeah. listener and making people feel like their concerns are valid and heard, and in many cases, they are valid too. I think if the assumption is that oil and gas is very involved in DAC and we can't trust oil and gas companies. Therefore, like that as a syllogism is tight. And if you accept all of those premises, why shouldn't you follow the conclusion as well? I think you're obligated to logically. Um, so I think if you're able to hear that and try to find out if there are ways where, well, what if there was a DAC company that actually foreswore oil and gas involvement? Does that change anything for you? Um, what if there was something else, some other governance mechanism? Um, I think, or even just being able to listen to that concern may in some ways make people feel like they're not just going to be run over by technological progress that may or may not actually have an impact on climate. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I, I wrote a newsletter about this after the, after our experience at, at Ted Climate. Um, and it was that I have like two questions to slice through conversations and not like to, I guess slicing sounds sort of like aggressive, but like, uh, so just for my own understanding, like to, to kind of really get what somebody's saying, which is two questions. Um, do you think carbon rule is necessary for a stable climate and like how much by when, how do we do it? Um, and I've, I've that, that whole, like, you know, director capture is a, um, excuse for the oil industry or, or sort of stuff. I found that's often, um, coming from a place of like, not actually aligned on that carbon rule is necessary. Because carbon rule is necessary, then you're probably going to be talking about like, oh, well, then we need to do enhanced rock weathering and and soils and uh, ocean-based carbon rule. And like maybe maybe DAC is at the bottom of your list. That's fine. Um, but that's very different than being like, oh, like DAC doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, well, wait, but if we need to remove carbon, then like DAC is somewhere in the list of priorities, you know? Uh, and that's being as like, you know, neutral in my own, like, excitement or enthusiasm or lack of it around DAC, but it's just, you know, it's, if, if we can, if we're agreed on that carbon rule is necessary, it, it really does change those conversations about like, you know, DAC does come up. Like a lot of people know about DAC. Um, many people think that carbon rule is director capture. Um, uh, 
like it's the same, right? And so you, I start talking about like enhanced rock weathering and and ocean and soils, and it's people are kind of like that. That's when it goes back to like, well, what are we talking about when we talking about carbon removal? Um, anyway, I I written that on my my newsletter. Uh, it was a helpful tool that I built for myself about these two questions to help me understand where people are coming from. Seems like a good way to frame probably just to ground yourself so you're not running people over and yeah losing sight of how to actually have a human conversation probably yeah, also totally. changes doing right. it in person too yeah oh sorry go ahead yeah what yeah oh doing it in person is good yeah um but yeah being being in conversation i found myself even on like airman or slack like moving more towards like setting up calls with people um uh, rather than like trying to discuss stuff over text um yeah it's, it's real. I'm really grateful for all the people that are a cop to like who ask those questions and have this, you know, understanding. Um, it's like, oh yeah, this is cool. Uh, one shift in my own understanding. Well, I could, I could share about that or we could, we could talk about something else, but go ahead. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, like my own understanding, um, I was talking with a professor at MIT tonight about this. Um, you know, cause you, you go back to like, well, do we need to move carbon from the air? And actually there's a question up above that, which is like, do we need to remove carbon from the air? Like, well, why? And it's all around like temperature stability. And so, or, or like temperature control rather, right? And so for air miners, our goal is a, uh, we say greenhouse gas removal, which includes carbon removal, right? Cause like there's other greenhouse gases, which, which kind of is this pointer towards like, Hey, like, why do we care about carbon dioxide again? And it's like, oh, because it, like it causes warming which is like temperature increase, right? So just something shifting in my understanding around like this kind of category around like climate intervention or temperature control, but kind of this umbrella of like carbon rule fits into that. Methane removal also fits into that. Other, other ideas for how to change the temperature also fit into that. Um, and that's kind of fundamentally what we're talking about when we're talking about carbon removal is like controlling the temperature. Um, so for me in, in all these conversations, what I've found is there's maybe like another, uh, kind of step up from like, you know, why carbon will matters, which is, which is temperature control. I mean, I have so many thoughts on that. On the one hand, I almost don't really care that much on the taxonomy. Just tell me like, what's the thing we call it so that everyone is on the same page. I think the the word games of what actually is carbon removal. Yeah. Should this be some bigger category? Is it yeah, greenhouse gas removal? Is it carbon dioxide removal rather than carbon removal? But carbon removal can also include methane. You're just, just oh, just tell me, tell me what to say and I'll say it. I don't even care in some some cases. Temperature control is an interesting one. I think for PR reasons, that has such a strong geoengineering uh connotation to me where it does feel like that global thermostat, can we set the temperature of the earth into someone who's a bit more, um, a bit more profit than wizard, a bit more, a bit more green than a bit more engineered. It sounds like dominion and mm. we'll, we'll face some opposition. Um, but I do broadly have that sci-fi David Grinspoon orientation of humanity essentially needs to learn how to manage the global climate 
because it's too late not to intervene in it. So we need to learn how to intervene for good, or we probably won't make it to permanent civilizational status. Right. I don't know. Yeah. We call it temperature management, right? I mean, we're, we're every nine days, we put another billion tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Wow. I guess that makes sense. Like we're, we're, we're doing this. Like we're, we're, we're adding a billion tons of carbon that's, dioxide. That's sort of like your accidental, incidental byproduct. Accident. Idea, I get, in, I get in the car and I push the pedal. Well, it's manslaughter versus first degree murder, right? So like, do you want to escalate to having a sort of direct planning, like indirectly in, because like, cyanobacteria indirectly influenced the, the global thermostat, you know, does it have culpability once you own that responsibility of doing so the pressure of never being able to walk away again and the hubris of humanity deciding that i guess if you do it in a mature way it could be great and we've been doing it in an immature way and that's not great so maybe if we could mature at the same time that we develop the tech to do this god can we do this though there's nothing new under the sun we're we're sort of fallen depraved beings so are we going to be able to figure out the governance mechanisms for literally the entire planet. I'm in Dubai, baby. That's You're in Dubai, happening. baby. <laughs> right? Like, that's where happen? that governance conversation is happening. It's happening right now. Uh, it's happening all around the planet and it's happening most concentrated right here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, you are here. You were there, I guess I should say. And well, sounds like you see a lot of reasons for hope potentially. It's Feels good to be there. I don't want to feed that. Yeah. Do you actually feel enjoying that? this? I feel hope. Um, I'm. I feel curiosity. Like I'm learning about the process and where it's at. Um, I'm seeing what's it like. I mean, it's here in Dubai. It's in terms of where do we need to be to have a planet-wide conversation? Dubai is the place to do it in 2023. Um, sounds like it's going to be in Azerbaijan next year in 2024. Why are they just um, going to all the oil places? That that Baku is like also one of the most intensely oil-driven municipalities probably in the world. Why? Yeah, there's some. I, I um, there's a cop process for deciding how the where the location is. Um, and I don't know the details of it, but somehow it's that's. You would think they would, they would choose someplace less controversial, given how much flack they got for the choice for this year. They're going to two like petro states essentially yeah. in a row. Yeah, they are. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I get nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like it's it. uh, I, I think that I mean, where else, where, where would it be better? Somewhere I don't know. Where I guess oil it... companies can't hear us or something. Like I just don't. I, I'm. I'm like cool. Great. Let's go right into the conversation. Let's let's have the conversation here. Well, yeah. Um, I guess where where could you go? I guess there are even places in the the rainforest are getting cut down for oil exploration. The U the U S itself a petro state given our uh, oil and gas industry too. Yeah. Um, is it what? So is having it at the at like the first step of the process better than having it in the suburbs of Houston where the refineries are like, does it, or where it's consumed? Does it, I guess does it even matter? Maybe not, but you, you know, it's going to, that's going to poke people. 
I don't, I don't think pe many people know yeah. about Baku. And we're talking about the future of the about planet. It. Once they learn, I mean, they're going to they're going to know about it. <laughs> What's that? Sorry. Yeah, you said. I mean, in terms of poking people, like yeah, this is this is the future of the planet, right? This is like a, a civilization scale uh, challenge, um, and so we need places where civilization uh, agrees to agrees to come together, and this is this is where it is. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering too, counterintuitively, if you are, you invite the UAE and uh, to host COP, maybe maybe you get increased buy-in or movement from them um, in the same way, like maybe the Azeri state is, uh, uh, maybe it doesn't, because the interpretation of this is, oh, COP is corrupt. It's clearly just favoring these these oil nations. But what if it's a way of, having them much more prominently figure in and show them that there is an honorable way to proceed. That is like, that is the silver lining charitable best case, right? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, every, you know, every taxi in the, in the country is driving people around for, for cop and some of them are having discussions about this stuff. And, uh, yeah, people that work in the different ministry ministries of the government and, and such are, are engaged in this conversation. Whereas if it's, happening somewhere else, then, you know, only a couple of those people end up going. So uh, it's possible that Dubai is the, the best place for the COP discussion this year. And that's, that's a, you know, a idea that's been kind of growing as I've been here. It's like, okay, this is, we're here. This is where the discussion is happening. Uh, we can't ignore the role of oil and gas in, in fossil fuels and um, in the in the climate um and so yeah let's go let's go to dubai talk about it work it out it's one of those cases where i never know if i'm you know selling myself a bridge in montana or whatever uh or if i'm like am i should i be cynical or optimistic is there is this a really smart decision that i don't know enough about to to speculate upon or is this um as bad as critics say or somewhere in between i never never quite know but Surely it has to work. Surely it must result in progress. I don't know. Possible it does. Um, I think I've said this at the previous Airminers Town Hall, but pessimism and optimism are the same thing. They're kind of a, a, a fixed view about the future. And the future is unknown, right? If you ever tried to like do any sort of prediction about the future, it is just um, really challenging. Um, and so... You know, we get to hold on to things and say, like, we think this is possible. And I think it's possible that uh, we look back and say Dubai was really the best place for uh, moving the climate conversation forward. Um, I mean, the, the, the discussions are finalizing. They are not finalized. But going in, the, there was potential. There was the possibility of coming out with a phase down, a phase out of fossil fuels. I mean, let's say two weeks from now, we had world governments aligned for a plan for phasing out fossil fuels that'd be something and yeah. that's what's happening here that's that's the dis that, that that discussion is happening here sounds like it could be one of those tarot readings you're like oh you drew the king of cups or whatever and that could either mean a death in the family or yeah. rebirth. it's like you can be one of the two you're like okay um i don't know i guess that's yeah or like, what's the, uh, there's another one too, that the Chinese character for crisis is what, opportunity and chaos or something like that. What is it? Opportunity and danger, I think it is. 
whatever. I like yeah. the tarot one better. But uh, is that that's just all of these things too. It's either everything or nothing. Yeah. Either, is it everything or nothing, Tito? We get to choose, um, and it's possible that it's everything. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, if you don't want to, I just don't like waiting too much on the decisions of too many things so far outside of my control. So if you're listening and you're not, you're not with the cool kids in the right zone, what are some things you can do in the meantime here? I'm sure if you're, are you still reaching out for investors or, or carbon removal startups or something else? Someone listening that wants to to get involved with you, um, how should they do so? Oh, air miners boot up. They're the big one. Like if you are. If you are scouring the web to understand carbon removal and you're kind of listening to a podcast here or there, um, Airliners Boot Up is this introductory 101 style. Um, it's not a course, but it's a, it's a six-week sprint on carbon removal. We match you with like 10 other people who are kind of like you. They want to learn about carbon removal. And then over six weeks, twice a week, you really dig into every aspect of carbon removal. Um, I got to... Uh, and, and when you graduate, you earn this uh, Airman boot up badge. Um, I've got one in a pocket somewhere here, but I have too many pockets. Um, but I, I had I had brought two because uh, actually, no, I don't have any here. I, I gave them away. Um, I saw you unite the people with them on LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. So um, there, Beth Broccoli from uh, from NASDAQ is a graduate from boot up. Um, she's now their carbon lead. And um, her boot up badge had gotten lost in the mail. And uh, so I had met her in San Francisco at a, at a meetup. And she was like, yeah, like, where's my badge? Um, and so when I found out uh, I was going to cop and that she was going to cop too, I was like, I'm going to bring her the badge. Um, and so I ended up handing it off to um, Helen and Bray, who is the uh, head of policy for Puro. Um, and then so Helen then delivered the badge to Sarah Beth. Um, and yeah, so that's the power of, of boot up and the, and the power of getting that badge is like, you know, it's a way to, to level up your understanding of carbon removal. It's not only for people that are new to carbon removal, by the way, there's people that have worked in carbon removal. They've worked for, uh, there was somebody that was really deep in Climeworks working at, at, on director capture and they took boot up because they wanted to better understand how's the rest of this stuff work. Uh, and I would encourage you if, if you're, uh, yeah, if you're wondering how these other carbon rule solutions work and you're working on one particular one, I encourage you to dive into boot up because it goes back to that that common purpose, which is we're here to remove billions of tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. We get to discover together how to do it. And somebody else that's doing a different how is right there with you in pursuit of that we actually get it done. Um, and there's a lot you can learn from this is part of the, the core of uh, launch that, which is our startup accelerator program, which is director capture company can learn a ton from enhanced rock weathering companies who can learn a ton from soil companies who can learn a ton from ocean based companies. I'm thinking of doing boot up because I've not done it previously, although I've certainly referenced the curriculum countless times. There's a lot of great information gathered. Um, Siobhan was saying that she wanted to go back and retake it. And I was thinking, yeah, I've been in carbon removal for six and a half years, thereabouts. Pretty long. Yeah. 
but time. um honestly when you're working in this space you have less time unless you're working on it directly to to constantly be studying all this stuff i think having a more structured environment would do so and would probably make me a bit more well-rounded tom waits has some some line where he says he plays different instruments because he your hands are like dogs and they're always going back to what they know so if you just play a guitar you'll play the same couple of things over and over i'm like maybe i should go back and do boot up with siobhan and just make that happen and also i like that you framed it too that it wasn't just if you're new to carbon removal it's also people that have been working in this space who maybe maybe they become a little path dependent maybe they've become a little too focused on their own thing and they're losing sight of what others are doing in adjacent fields i think that that actually is pretty good advice yeah exactly i, I encourage people to look at like what you want is a balanced climate and it's worth diving into boot up of, you know, especially if you've been working really hard on one particular area. Um, I mean, it's just, it's ripe with opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, never too late to go back to school. It sounds like, well, yeah. So are you going to, are you going to take boot up Ross? When is it? The next ones we run it about every two months. The next one starts in early January. You have to sign up before January 1st. That's at uh, bootup.airminers.org for people to type in. You go to bootup.airminers. And we're doing a campaign on Instagram um, as well. So you can, if you're on Instagram, you can follow us at airminers underscore CDR. Um, and they're, uh, they've been, Jason has been putting together a, a campaign that encourages people to apply to boot up and join boot up um when i say apply it's like it's it's signing up it's not like you everybody who wants to take boot up can take boot up um yeah and so uh jason and uh, louisa and aaron have been working on an instagram campaign bootup.airminers.org sign up so yeah that's the next one ross what um so it's not what i'm what i'm getting from you is sounds like you did boot up um it would that like tom wait style thing it would like open you up to different instruments and different ways of thinking um as you as you're writing songs and playing songs pretty much yeah i think having new ways of seeing or just a reminder of what all is happening i feel like i shy i have um i'm less numerate than i would like and i'm also less comfortable with actual science than i would like so i think being in an environment where some of that was um, defanged a little bit might be uh, a nice way to give myself some encouragement and pushing through some of those self-limitations here. But also just, there's so much that has happened in that time and I have not adequately yeah. kept up with all of it, which I don't want to sound like I'm down on myself. I think that's just an accurate representation of being a human with lots of different things competing for your time constantly. And it's no longer a really small field like when we started where you could know everyone personally. Now there's hundreds and hundreds of companies as we are very fond of saying, which is great. But yeah, a little refresher, polish off some of the edges that I've allowed to grow dull could could be useful. I can't commit right now on the, the show, but uh, if you want, we could certainly do another one. We could Maybe we could drag some of the listeners of this show over and say, do you want to be in cohort <laughs> with Ross? Then sign oh, up. Oh, cool. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. We like would love to do that, like a like a get the gang together kind of thing. Um, yeah. That sounds cool. Um, 
Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the, the nature of carbon removal, the, the edges are expanding faster than ever. I mean, there are, there are thousands of people developing these solutions now. Um, and that just, that means that the solutions, the, the solution space of possible solutions is, is, is being explored that much faster. Um, and I just, I, I love digging into the details of how one particular solution works because it's just, I find that like the, the deeper I get on any one particular thing somehow, and I can't explain it, but somehow it just, it seems to give me like a deeper understanding of, of everything. Um, so for example, with the, with the kiloton fund, I've been talking in a different way to carbon credit buyers. Um, and just like that, that deficit experience has changed the conversations with startups, understanding like what buyers are really, really looking for changes, how we coach startup teams. Uh, it changes how I think about, uh, people and boot up, like what they're, what they're going to be learning about carbon markets and how these things might form. Um, so yeah, boot up. Boot up. Okay. Thanks for and the get the badge. I want yeah. Good update. I would like a, a badge. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's cool to hear about what's happening at COP. Nice to hear it just from someone who's out there mucking around with the other carbon removal people there, gate crashers. Just kidding. That's nice that you guys are are doing that and trying to make that conversation a powerful thing where you can. And um, yeah, thanks for all the leadership you have in carbon removal. Air Miners has touched seemingly everyone within the space, uh, has made their career more accessible, more near at hand. So. Thanks. I, I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan, as you know. All right, Ross, let's get to it. I'll see you in Azerbaijan. <laughs> yeah. Buy my ticket to, to Baku as we speak. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a lovely day and I'll see you in Air Miners. Hey, Ross. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.